How are you doing there? It is December. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas present time. It's a present to yourself time. It's time for patrons who are our favorite people, John, the people who actually pay us. Indeed, absolutely. To to get out of the scratcher and do all this. So on Patreon for all of December, it's a 10% off annual fee for you. And of course, you know what you get. You get economics, you get ad-free, you get chats. I answer your questions. You've got economic courses, the courses I give at Trinity. You've got book lists. You've got the whole lot, all on Patreon, all for the price of, is it a pint, John? For a pint. And you know what? It makes an amazing present. It makes an amazing present. So it's patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Support us. We'll support you. Who doesn't like that deal? Ho, ho, ho. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? This is the Christmas podcast. This sounds really somber for a Christmas uh, no. podcast. How are you, Ed? Have you done all your shopping? <laughs> I no, I haven't. I've no, done, I, I've done no. loads online and I'm waiting for it all to arrive. And oh, so you're going to be the guy going bing bong, bing bong, bing yeah, bong, yeah. Or, bing bong. Or not, as the case may be, kind of saying to people, look, I have an email. Look, I'd show you I what I bought. I God, I bought you something. <laughs> But you were complaining about the traffic, and I have a hunch that a lot of the suburban traffic now mm. is the result of Amazon. How do you mean? There's all those vans dropping things Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. noticed that? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge yeah. change in the last couple of years. And the vans are just parking up on that sidewalk. Oh, yeah. On the sidewalk? On the footpath. And, you know, John just, is, I'm just running in here, drop off this yeah, package. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then 100 yards down the road, they do it the again. Same. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Looking, John, John, looking back at the year, Amazingly, we've now got the year's most popular episodes. So first of all, I thank you for listening and for giving us your time because the numbers are keep going up and up and up, which is amazing. We're at uh, episode 300 and... God, actually, I'm not entirely sure, 303 or something. Fascinatingly, fascinatingly, our major downloads, right, have all been to do with Russia this year. Now, this is what I find really interesting. Russian economics, Russian politics, Russian geostrategy, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and we were kind of blessed, I think, from, you know, but having lived over there, I've got, you know, Russian contacts and you can actually talk to them. But it is fascinating that there's a massive thirst for news on, takes on, analytics on, understanding of Russia, Ukraine, that whole part of the world, mm. you know? And then, of course... But there were some great experts. There were some great people on. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've, we've had we've had lots of really, really good people on, but... The other one then, John, is 
the UK is hugely popular. Anything we've done in the UK has it's done extremely the well. gift that keeps on giving. It is, yeah. I mean, when I look back at it, Mac, and look back in the year, it's looking at the big characters of the year. And apart from, you just mentioned Putin and Zelensky, you know, they're certainly big characters and have impacted the world. But the big characters from the UK, you know, Boris Johnson, Liz Trust, Kamikaze, Yes, you know, I, know, it, it, I know. It's endless. It uh, is endless. It's kind of unfortunate they've stabilised, actually. Uh, we need a little bit more chaos yeah, in the UK. And your man who went off to the jungle. Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock, yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> Pratt Mancock. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's, they're, they're, they're great characters. No, they they're are, great they characters are. for a book. Well, they are. And for, for me, obviously, the biggest thing was the World Cup. I've actually, you know, the World Cup we were supposed to not to watch. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I was drawn into it big time, I have to say. And it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been amazing. And it is only just that Argentina win at the end. Let me ask you a question, though. You know, people are talking about it was the best World Cup ever. Do you think so? Because uh, I, 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 they didn't have the same atmosphere, certainly watching it. It didn't really have the same well, kind of... having been at the USA 94 World Cup, that's oh, the only one go. I was at, you know, <laughs> and, and that was just great fun. Yeah, yeah, Particularly because yeah. the Americans had no clue what was going on. Yeah, so it was like yeah, basically yeah, yeah. loads of Europeans and Latin Americans going mad, and the Yanks like... Soccer, yeah. but now they've changed, obviously, and the, yeah, the yeah. American team wasn't bad at all. Absolutely, and the Canadian team weren't bad. I mean, the, these were quite good teams. No, I think the final was so much better than any other final I've seen. Now, now, hang on, I gotta stop you there again because I watched it. And I watched it late actually because I taped it and I, and I watched it in the evening, and just before kicked off, something popped up on my phone because I was, you know. Didn't want to know who won. Didn't want to know the score. Yeah. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw Argentina win. Oh, and I went, no, oh, no, no. But I watched it. And the first, you know, Argentina were magnificent. There's no doubt about it. They were fantastic. And after the, the first two goals, it was 2-0. And then it was boring until well, I, the... I think that's the, what happens. Yeah, well, I, I, until, until 80 the minutes. It opened up. Well, I mean, first, and then it was fantastic. But I think they, just, just so... You know, I've always been, you know, I've been down to Argentina a good few times. And in mm. actual fact, I've been at the Malvinas Stadium. They have a football stadium. Is that the River Plate? Is it? No, no, no. It's for Mendoza. Mendoza is oh, a club okay. out, in the, out in the city of Mendoza. The West, yeah. And their stadium is the Malvinas Stadium. And there's right. big flags, Malvinas everywhere. But I've also been at Boca against River. Right. I've, I've, I know I've, I was at the most, I, I rang Martin, you know, our friend, Martin. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was, I was doing, I've, but I was doing a speaking event in Uruguay, of all places, in, Mon- nice. in Montevideo. Yeah. And I said to Martina, to go there, it's an amazing city. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Also scene of a World Cup winner, Uruguay won the World Cup in their own capital city. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Uruguay today. Okay. A little bit about Uruguay and Argentina, okay. right? Okay, we're and, going to be all over the place and, today. And Irish migration to Argentina and Uruguay. Mm. Because when I was watching Alexis McAllister playing, yes. and his yes. people are from Donabate, okay, right? I was, again, fascinated by this whole thing. But when you go to Argentina, and when you watch football in Argentina, and you go to the Boca Stadium where I was, mm. I mean, the rivalry between Boca and River Plate is so bad that River Plate fans are not allowed in to the stadium to watch Boca play at home against River Plate. Oh, really? They're not let in. Because it's and mad. Is, and it's vice versa as no, well. Because they took to... They took to lobbing chickens at each other. 
frozen chickens. <laughs> from, from Jeez, that would be from, really sorry. Kill people, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting down and I asked Martin for a ticket. He said, man, he says, I can't get your ticket. La, la, la. So I'll try. I'll but I'll get you a chicken. He said, I'll try, I'll try. And so he eventually rang me. He said, look, I have a ticket. I said, he said, don't ask me how I got it. Somebody has Ooh, a seat. Does he? Somebody has a seat, but they're not around. Just have it, right? Okay. Mm. And these are like hen's teeth, speaking of chickens. These are like hen's teeth, right? <laughs> so I, I, I go down, I sit down. It's Boca against River. And there's a, I'm, I'm, I'm in early and a woman comes down. She's probably in her 80s. Mm. And she has that great, you know, this kind of Spaniard, Argentinian, elderly lady with great hair. Right. They've massive, like big okay. purple sets, right? And it's all fur. Like this is like being in the 1950s. Right. There's no sort of animal rights movement down there at all. Yeah, like, yeah. It's all fur. It's quite cold, right? It was, it was, it was their winter, right? It's quite cold. She's in a big fur coat and a big like, and she's she looks like La Donna. She looks like the mm. matriarch of a family. Very posh, lots of jewelry, right? Great, great sort of hooked nose. She's beautiful looking. Right, kid. okay. Maybe about say, late 80s, 90s. Wow. So we're sitting then and she nods at me and I nod at her. And of course, it's very clear that I'm not local, right? Mm. And the real fans, like I was sitting then in the sort of slightly swanky area, but the, the real fans just it's jumped. the West Lower, was it? It wasn't the West Lower. It was right up in the gods, but it, this was not, it was Targwin who has made a return. But she doesn't say a word to me. Mm. And River Plate score, right? Mm. In yeah. the Boca Stadium. And all I hear her roaring is, Hijo del puta, hijo del puta, you son of a whore. And she's fucking roaring at me. And I was just looking at her. And it's just like, <laughs> she, was, and she just looks at me and she catches my eye. And, hijo del puta, hijo del puta. Going mental. It was great. I swear she was in her, in her 90s. It was brilliant stuff. I'd say late 80s. Early yeah, 90s. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that, that, that's the thing. But, but so there is something romantic about Argentina. Mm. And yes, yeah. there is something about, I remember watching them. And of course, you have this combined with the appalling economic setup. So Argentinian inflation is 100% now. Yeah. Not 10%, not 20%, 100%. The economy is collapsing. And the fascinating thing is, we're talking about... But it's been collapsing for, for years and it hasn't quite it hasn't keeled quite, over. Well, it's almost keeling over. We're talking about a country that was the seventh richest country in the world mm. in 1900. Yeah. So that's what I want to talk about. It's the McAllisters, these people. Who were they? Where did they come from? And how did they end up there? Mike, just, just before you get into Argentina, we just need to take a quick break. Fair enough. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow! Nice! Yeah! 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, Wank McAllister. That's yes. great Argentinian. <laughs> yes. I mean, great Argentinian. How did he end up there? Tell us about tell us about the McAllister people. We'll tell you about all of those people who left Ireland about a hundred odd years ago. Who are these people? When did they leave Ireland? Where did they go? And why have they had such an outsized influence on Argentinian culture? Right. Right. And it's a really fascinating. Years ago, I did a documentary on the back of a book I wrote called The Generation Game. And that was basically about the generation war that was going to be that the one we're having now over houses, right? But it was 2007, 2008. It was, it was obviously talking about the bus that was coming in Ireland, yeah. how it was going to come in. And then one of the ideas was that in after the Celtic Tiger, we would need to look to our diaspora for help and for networks and for a new approach to the economy, which I ironically became the Global Irish Forum, that thing I was involved in. Yeah, and that's become I remember global. that. And now the, the Department of Foreign Affairs have this Global Ireland unit and all that sort of stuff. So the idea was, you know, that we would actually use Ireland as a sort of a recharging battery for the Irishness of this tribe outside and never to underestimate the tribe, you know. So that had me down in Argentina interviewing these Irish Argentinians, right, mm. who make up half a million Argentinians are Irish Argentinians, right? Okay. Which is a lot. And of course, I went down there and then I started to do some research about it. And then... There was a lot of Christian brothers. There was Christian brothers. In fact, you talk about Christian brothers. Stella Maris, right? Argentina and you... you, Let's just put Argentina and Uruguay together for this this moment because people are going down to what they used to call the River Plate region, which was basically the River Plate, the mouth of the River Plate. Mm. And up the River Plate is Rosario, where Messi's from. Yeah. And then you've got Montevideo on the Uruguayan side and obviously yeah, yeah. BA on the Argentinian side. So what was fascinating for me was the amount of Irish people there in prominent positions. Now, Stella Maris, where there was two things, Hurlingham is the name of a big school and Hurling Club in Argentina, right, okay. full of paddies. And the Stella Maris is the one in Uruguay full of Irish Christian brothers, right? Now, fascinatingly, I think I might have told you before, the movie Alive, yes. the rugby team that actually crash-landed in... Brilliant the, movie. Right. They were all from the Stella Maris school, right? They were the, it was the senior rugby team of the school. So they graduated from the school and they were all, all of those, or many of them were Irish Uruguayans. Yeah. Which is a fascinating story, right? But if you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some statistics, John. Okay. I love a good statistic. I'm going to give you some statistics. It is, it is fascinating. Right, so the background noise to this is the following. Yeah. The land agitation in Ireland, the Land League, yeah. forced a change of agricultural policy in Britain. The Brits, and they are still, as Mark Bly told us last week, still import a huge amount of their food. Mm. And they imported a huge amount of their agricultural produce, their food from Ireland. Yes, yeah, they did. And when we started to have the land league and land agitation and the land war, the British government said, hold on a second, we cannot depend on stable supply of food from Ireland. So we're going to look elsewhere. And the place they looked particularly for beef was Uruguay and Argentina. 
So it's a fascinating thing. So you, what you see is at the same time as the Land League emerges here, you see a huge amount of diverted trade, Brits looking to try and get beef from somewhere else. That's the first thing. So that's, that, that's 18, let's say, Land League, 1870s, right? Yeah. Then in 1876, a ship called the Frigique, the Fridge, in effect, right? <laughs> French ship sailed from BA carrying the first frozen beef ever to Britain. Right. Okay. okay. It, was, it, was a, it was a French a French ship, but it was British registered, right? That changed the world completely because once you could freeze beef, it meant that Argentina... Just open up the whole market. Argentina was, was on your doorstep. Yeah. So the Brits invested hugely, hugely, hugely in Argentina, right? And of course, what that did is that it forced down the price of beef all over the world. Mm. And by forcing down the price of beef, it forced down the yield on agricultural land. So what you see is the global impact of beef from Argentina is a massive migration of farmers out of Ireland and out of England and out of France and out of Italy in particular, and Spain, right? Okay. Because farming became unprofitable because the Argentinians had undermined and undercut the price. It It was also a chance for landless people to actually own a farm for now, the first time. This is the interesting thing. So the Argentinians have a thing called the reconquest. Okay. But there was no reconquest. It was just conquest. They took the land from the yeah, native yeah, people yeah. and they gave it for free to Irish people, to Irish farmers. Right. So the people, 50,000 Irish farmers, farmers emigrated largely from Longford and Westmeath to Argentina. That's the biggest, that's the biggest settlement, right? Right. And in February 1889, mm-hmm. a ship left Cove called the City of Dresden. And the City of Dresden had 38 first-class passengers, 20 second-class passengers, and 1,759 third-class passengers. It left Cove for Buenos Aires, and it was the single biggest deposit of immigrants ever in Argentina in one ship. Wow. Ever. And they were, the vast majority of them were poor Irish farmers. And they, they all came, got land. They came in the city of Dresden, right? And actually, an extraordinary thing happened. An extraordinary thing happened. There was an Irish newspaper called the Southern Cross in Argentina, right? right? Which was basically for Hibernians, for the original mm. Irish immigrants, right? But when these people arrived, so 50,000 in total arrived during this boom period. The boom period from about 1880 to about 1910, right? Okay. So you get this massive migration of Italians and Spaniards and Irish people, and French. So Martin Lousteau, he'd be half French. Lousteau's yes, a French yeah, name, yeah. right? And they all arrived here. But the fascinating thing was, I'm going, to, I'm going to read from the Southern Cross, right? Okay, the Southern Cross was the paper, and it was about what happened to these people. And it's appalling, right? Anything more scandalous could not be imagined. This was the treatment of the Irish immigrants when they arrived. And we right. forget this, that Irish people were really looked down on, right? Yeah, it's like okay. when we arrived in, in, in New York. It was exactly. the same thing, yeah. But the thing this is, this is 17... 100 people in one ship, coming off one ship. They couldn't speak the language, right? Mm-hmm. Anything more scandalous could not be imagined. Men, women, and children whose blanched faces told of sickness, hunger, and exhaustion. After the fatigue of a journey, they had to sleep as best they might on the flags of the courtyard. Children ran around naked. To say they were treated like cattle would not be true. For the owner of cattle would at least provide them with food and drink. But these poor people were left to live and die unaided by officials who are paid to look after them. So that is this deposit of they Irish... They were paid to look after them? By whom? The officials were paid to look after the people. So they were right. immigration officers, right? Right, okay. Okay, so but then, subsequently, 
Irish people went out and got land. These people went out and got land. But fascinatingly, and this is another art from the Southern Cross, right? Young girls of prepossessing appearance were inveigled into disreputable houses. A swell carriage with swell occupants drives up, promises a splendid situation are made and accepted, and away go the unsuspecting girls. These were child prostitutes, Irish child prostitutes. A hundred years later, an article on the city of Dresden, okay, written by a Michael Geraghty, wrote in the Buenos Aires Herald that that episode of the child, it was sex slaves, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Began a very long tradition of Irish prostitutes in the squalid, now gone red light port area of Buenos Aires, where some of the most famous madams, this is the interesting thing, were reputed to be Irish as well. So what you have is this really, really strange situation. And this is the reason I tell the story. Obviously, you're watching McAllister. You say, how yeah. did these people get there, yeah. right? Yeah. But the movement of people is the story of humanity, right? And it's going on now. And it's going on all the time, yeah. right? With we Ukraine. have 70,000 Ukrainians here. Yeah. I mean, this is an extraordinary figure. And when you go down to Argentina, what you realize is that another fascinating thing about the Argentinian Irish is that they very quickly decided, typically the Irish, the enemy of the Irish in America were the British, right? The wasps. Yeah. But quite interesting because we all spoke English. What you find is the Irish and the English hung out together in yeah. Argentina. And the enemy, not the enemy, but the, the big nation were the Italians. And if you look at the football team, all the Argentinian greats have all Italian names. Mm. They've not Spanish names. All of them yeah, yeah, have yeah, Ita- true. Italian yeah. names, like yeah. Messi's and Maradona's and all these people have got all Italian names. Yeah. It's a massive Italian yeah. community. And so they tell you that, you know, and when you're down in Argentina, so many people I know have Italian passports. And that's the insurance. Right, okay. That's that's the thing. But it's a fascinating story. So it's- was it, there were more, are you saying there was more Italians that emigrated to Argentina than... Irish? Oh yeah, much more, much more. So the biggest, the biggest ethnic minority in Argentina is Italian. I was amazed by this. I was in Mendoza, that city out in the West Coast. Yeah. And I had to take a double take. I arrived, I arrived in the city and I got one of those overnight buses, right? And they're, you know, you just, you're going for miles and miles and miles Mm. and miles. I got to mind my own business and I get off and I'm in Argentina and there's loads of posters of Silvio Berlusconi everywhere. Huge ones of Silvio. And of course what it was, was the Italian Argentinians vote in Italian elections. What? Really? So everybody, anybody, and the same here. Like if you're if you're Italian, you can vote in the Italian elections here in Ireland, right? Yeah. We have but a weird situation. If, if, but only if you were a first generation, surely. No, if you have an Italian passport, you can vote, right? And you have an Italian passport because your granny was Because your there. granny's Italian. Exactly. Right, or your okay. great granny is Italian, right? So they have this extraordinary situation where there is a huge vote and do, in the and Italian they vote, elections. They exercise it. And they exercise it all the time. Wow. They exercise it all, so on the Italian election day, so it was on a Sunday, there was queues, miles, loads and loads of Argentinians going to vote That's in the elections of a country that bonkers. they've never been in. That's bonkers. No wonder Italian politics is, but, uh, is, is it's, crazy. It's, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And there's such a huge amount of them. And again, I think they tend to vote more right wing. Right, uh, okay. You know, so, you know, it, it is a fascinating country. And... Martin put it very, very brilliantly to me once. I think he'd heard from somebody else, but he said, Argentinians make great patriots and shit citizens. And mm-hmm. I thought it was yeah. a really interesting line, you know, because you see them now in Buenos Aires, the flag, the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah. But you ask them to pay taxes. Yeah. You know, so the, the responsibility of the citizen is to actually have some sort of input into the society. Yeah. And you could say that a lot about a lot of nations. I, I actually see the Americans 
becoming more like that, actually. Well, it's interesting you say about America, right? What you notice in Argentina is Argentina is very like America. It's a really immigrant nation, mm. right? And so everybody is from somewhere else. And I've always asked them, what's the gelling agent? What brings you together? Right, okay. And they've all just said football. That's it. And once the football's over, we go back hating each other. But they really? love the country. Okay, but they, yeah, they yeah. love the country. They love the place. And I mean, it is a special place. It has mm. a, a special feel to it. It's on my book. You really have to yeah. go. But... Particularly down south. And they've been destroyed. Yeah. I mean, you'd love it. I mean, the nature is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. And what I, what I love is, is Buenos Aires. I just love the city. I love yeah, the buzz, yeah, yeah. the vibe, the size of it. It's like 17 million people. Wow, that's incredible. It's kind of mad, you know? And that's, so, like, That's bigger than London. It's much bigger. Yeah. It feels much bigger than London. Does it? It feels much bigger. You can drive for hours and hours and hours and hours. And the great really? taxis only cost wow. about a fiver, yeah, which yeah. is great. And for us, not for them, obviously for us. Yeah. But what is, there is a great sadness in Argentina, which is the country that never really made it. Mm. And most Argentinian kids, when they learn economics, in the very first lesson, they are asked to look at two countries in 1945. One country is defeated, its industrial base is destroyed, it's just been defeated in a war, it's had a nuclear bomb dropped on it, and it has no resources. Yeah. And it's Japan. And the other country is Argentina. It's got all the resources in the world. Nobody's ever invaded them. They have a very, very good, they had a very, very good welfare state in yeah. the 1950s, right? The sky should be the limit for the Argentinians. Yeah. And yeah. they've just gone. It's, it's such an example of how bad economics and, can and really destroy a place. I know, I know it's, it's, it, you can't answer it in, in one sentence, but, but what, what was the knob of it? Where did it Peronism, go Peronism. So, well, two or three things happened. First was the Brits took, it was, I mean, when I say the Brits, right, and the British were big, big importers of, of Argentinian beef, right? Mm. And that was particularly the case coming from Uruguay as well. So there were huge, huge markets. What happened to Argentina is it never, ever diversified. Remember we were talking about... Right. Remember okay. we were talking about that, that podcast we did a couple of weeks yeah, ago. About, multiculturalism versus monoculturalism. Exactly. You're absolutely right, John. So what they did was they never diversified. So they continued to try and make a living for the rest of the country on the back of very efficient agriculture. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing they did was they reacted to, as many countries did in the 50s and 60s, to huge imports, mainly from America in the beginning and then from Asia, by putting up trade barriers and creating your own industries, like your own car industry, your own this, yeah. that and the other, yeah. right? And typically what that does is it just prolongs inefficiencies. Like the reason people buy Japanese cars is they're actually better made, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. they're better technology and they're better innovation and all that sort of stuff. And of course, the third thing was really bad politics, Peronism. So Juan Peron, story of Evita Peron or mm. Juan Peron. Juan Peron is an army colonel who begins the process. They also militarize the government. So the army took over the government. They also flirted with Nazism, with fascism. Yeah. There was an extraordinary, we know that there was this, what, what uh, Philippe Sand called the rat line between, the rat line was the code name for getting Nazis out of Europe. Oh, okay, yes, sorry. And, yeah, yeah. That, and Philippe Sands has written a really, really, really brilliant book and a very good podcast on it about the role of the Vatican mm. in being instrumental in the ties between the Argentinian fascists and the Vatican getting out Nazis. Yes, of right? course. But right. of course, the Nazis went into the biggest Jewish population 
outside of Europe, outside of Israel, one of the biggest Jewish populations outside. So they eventually all got, all got basically the Mossad guys yeah. got Jewish people to, to identify them. Yeah. But I mean, that was a huge, huge thing. So just like really bad politics, really bad economics, and all those extraordinary advantages they have. And when you go there, you feel that the country, you feel that there was a middle class. So the infrastructure is good. The education system is still very good. Argentinians are incredibly brilliantly educated when you meet them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But they will just tell you that that's a legacy and that's been destroyed. And then you have just very, very bad government and very, very bad exchange policy, very, very bad monetary policy, a weakness for inflation that destroys them all the time. And, and tell me, is it is it a country where... Obviously, Buenos Aires is 17 million people, a massive, massive conurbation. Yeah. And then you have Mendoza. Like oh, Cordoba is a huge city. Rosario is a huge city. They've, they've huge cities. And are those other cities as inefficient and as run down? Or are they... Well, they I, mean, have- you, I mean, Rosario, where Messi's from, is a really, really amazing city. Like mm. these, these are really substantial, sophisticated, architecturally very diverse, culturally very diverse places, right? As befits a sort of an immigrant nation. Salta is a beautiful place. Cordoba is a beautiful place. Mendoza is outstanding. It's yeah. a really outstanding. I mean, the, I'm a sucker for little details, right? Yeah. So on the streets of Mendoza, there's all these massive gullies running down all the streets, right? Okay. And I was trying to figure out what it is. It is the way in which they irrigate the city, right? So the snow in the Andes melts yeah. and they funnel the snow all the way down, right into the city. So this is one of the most parched cities. It's got an amazing climate, right? Right. And yet it's unbelievably green. Right. So what they do is they basically, it's a very, it's an old, it's what the, it's what the Indians did. Yeah, yeah. It's harvesting the, the water. It's basically. harvesting the water, but yeah. it's, it's, it's an, and you can hear the gush of water everywhere in Mendoza. That's the beautiful thing. Even though you're in a, an unbelievably, like it's roasting. It's like being in Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just feel that you're surrounded by water because you are. So the whole way, the whole planning, the urban planning and architecture is, is extraordinary in Argentina. But yet the economy is blighted by massive capital flight. The middle class live in Miami, in effect. Yeah. Miami's the second Argentinian city, right? That's where they live. And it's bad government after bad government after bad government, all claiming that they represent the people. And all yeah. claiming they represent the working man. Usually, it's yeah. yeah, and it's Peronism. And it, it just destroys everything. And, it, and, and and then, of course, once you have corruption for a couple of years, you know, as, as a friend of mine who lives over there said about the Italians, she's Irish, Argentinian. Mm. She said, the Italians, yeah, she said, they came, with, they came with everything. They brought their food, they brought the language, they brought fashion, they brought their footballers, and they brought their corruption. <laughs> right, and she, you know, and and that's 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 what she she believes. But it feels like you're in it. In it, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like Milan. Next time you're going, Mac, I'm going to go with you. We would actually, John. This will be we do the podcast. Hey, this is our Christmas present to each other, Johnny. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's podcast do it. from Argentina. Listen, we're going to go. Happy Christmas! Thank you for listening throughout the year. It's been a fantastic, fantastic adventure. It's this, been brilliant this gig and. Uh, have a great Christmas. No family rows. Just when you're about to have the family row on yeah. Christmas Day, hold back. Crack open another bottle of wine. Find your inner Gandhi <laughs> and be all zen. And we'll talk to you next week. How are you doing there? It is December. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas present time. It's a present to yourself time. <laughs> it's time for patrons who are our favourite people, John. The people who actually pay us. Indeed, to, to, absolutely. To, to get out of the scratcher and do all this. So on Patreon for all of December, 
It's a 10% off annual fee for you. And of course, you know what you get. You get economics. You get ad-free. You get chats. I answer your questions. You've got economic courses, the courses I give at Trinity. You've got book lists. You've got the whole lot, all on Patreon, all for the price of... Is it a pint, John? For a pint. And you know what? It makes an amazing present. It makes an amazing present. So it's patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Support us. We'll support you. Who doesn't like that, dude? Ho, ho, ho. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.